Hello, KCSU. I'm Amanda Kowalski, and talking with me today about the environment is Charles Willis, who is a fellow anthropology major and classmate of mine. Hi. <laughs> so, Charlie. It's great to uh, be here. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, you wanted to talk about the environment. What exactly are you highlighting for us today? Well, Amanda, taking this class has really got me fired up about the environment, just thinking about the future and how one of the big changes that we need to make as a society is to really rethink our relationship to the environment. Because I think just reform and systemic change without a direction, without a underlying philosophy as to where the environment fits, is not going to be very effective moving forward. So you're making some, you know, pretty bold claims here. How exactly do you propose that we do move forward here? Well, I think the big areas that stuck out to me just from this class were conservation. We really need to rethink conservation and the relationship between the environment and economics, as well as our approach to natural disasters. So when you say rethink conservation, do you do you want to move away from conservation? You know, wouldn't that be kind of damaging to the environment or are you talking about something else? Well, I think the the way that we've sort of approached conservation for the last hundred years has been to just cordon off an area, a wilderness area, and sort of preserve it from human activity. And one of the things that has really become apparent, especially during this very active wildfire season, is that the absence of management is just as bad as you know, overuse of a piece of land. And we read some some pretty interesting articles about this. There was one that was actually from the U.S. Forest Service by Lisi Crawl about this very problem of thinking of the wilderness as something separate from humanity and as humanity as some sort of inherently destructive factor in the environment when the reality is we are part of the environment and we can affect it for better or for worse. And just leaving these pieces of land aside to be untouched is equally as unhelpful. Another great article that talked about sort of different approaches is one by Daniel Wildcat and Raymond Parati, great names. <laughs> and they were they were talking about doing their research was in Native American groups and their cultural approach to the environment and different practices that they've been using to sort of manage resources and create, for lack of a better term, like win-win relationships with the environment around them and their own society. And I think it just proves that, you know, we don't have to, you know, preserving the environment doesn't mean leaving it alone. Like we can continue to exist, coexist with the natural environment without disrupting it. And I think that's the big problem with the modern, especially the American conservation movement, is it's not really giving us that flexibility. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And so just to clarify, so you're saying that, you know, we shouldn't really be afraid of, of managing resources and ecosystems pretty carefully, right? Yeah. Okay. So now you mentioned this dichotomy between the economy and the environment. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? So one of the things during this presidential election that really stuck out to me was the way, especially Republicans have framed the sort of war between the economy and the environment. Whenever the left brings up environmental protection, it's seen as like destroying the economy or destroying economic opportunity. This is, this is a false choice. This is a false dichotomy. And I think the, the Republican Party has done a really good job of framing 
that debate in a way that shuts down any possibility of creating a more sustainable approach to industry. We One of the big articles that we read this semester was by George Lakoff, who I don't, I don't know if he invented this concept, but he he studies the concept of framing and how you can you can frame an idea such that people don't have to think about it by making certain associations in rhetoric. You can shut down any debate because you're just making people look at it through a certain lens and they feel like they already know everything they need to know about it. And this is one area I feel like the American left and the environmental movement have done a poor job of attacking that framing that anything that's good for the environment is bad for the economy, because that's simply not the case. And I don't think sustainability and economic growth are necessarily a, a mutually exclusive. I totally agree. So so if this framing tactic is, you know, underutilized by the left, how do, how do you think they, they could begin to utilize it a little bit more? Is there a way to do that better than what they're doing right now? <laughs> well, I, I noticed one thing during the debates was Biden talked a lot about reducing certain industries in favor of others. And I think the problem is when they say we're going to roll back fracking or roll back mining or whatever, people stop listening when they say that and they say, oh, they're going to destroy the oil industry. They're going to destroy the mining industry or whatever. I would say just avoid that entirely. Just say we're going to invest in renewable energy. We're going to invest in solar power and instead and don't even mention the industries that are going to be replaced because the reality is, you know, even if we do continue to use oil, eventually it's going to run out. We're going to find something to replace it anyway. So by targeting investment into renewable energy, we're just kind of hastening that process. And I think that's a much better way of thinking about it than, oh, we're going to eliminate these industries that people are already in. I, I totally agree. I think I think that's a great idea, and I think that needs to be done more. So kind of switching tracks a little bit, how does this, all of these ideas, you know, of the environment and everything like that, how does that connect to natural disasters? Well, one thing that I hear over and over again about climate change is that natural disasters are getting more frequent and and more intense. And you're already seeing that. The summer has been quite a roller coaster in terms of natural disasters. And if this class had one thesis, I would say it's that natural disasters are really man-made. So our current way of thinking about natural disasters is that they're sort of like acts of God. There's nothing we can do about them. And moving forward, I think we need to really start taking responsibility for the fact that no, Natural disasters are getting more frequent and they're getting worse because of our own actions. And it's our responsibility to make sure that these don't destroy people's lives over and over again. Instead of just, you know, actually holding, actually holding corporations accountable and creating safety nets and infrastructure to anticipate and effectively deal with these disasters. I think that's good. And I mean, there's a framing issue there with that, right? I mean, they're being framed as these, you know, acts of God, like you said. Exactly. And if there's one thing that we did learn from our own Dr. Brown's standing in the need and to a lesser extent, mountains beyond mountains, it's that these natural disasters, they don't come from nowhere, for one thing. And what makes them destructive is human action, not necessarily the raw environmental impact. 
And when you say human action, are you talking specifically about climate change or are you like, are there other things that make disasters worse? Both. It's the way that we respond to natural hazards. And by thinking of them as these rare, tragic things, we're really limiting ourselves in terms of how well we can respond to those. Okay, so just to, you know, wrap everything up, do you think there are some changes ahead for us? You know, are, are we going to change these frames? Are we going to talk about the environment and natural disasters differently in the future? Or do you think we're going to stay on, on this track? I certainly hope things change. Um, it's really up to us. And by us, I mean like our generation to keep these things in mind and create social change as much as uh, political change, because that's what underlies any political policy or and, you know, without the public opinion and the the cultural framework regulations, we're not going to be able to regulate our way out of climate change. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's why, you know, classes like the one we're in, you know, public anthropology are, are so important now. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all. That's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to leave with a, a final note or anything like that? I think I covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Thank you so much for interviewing me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks to KCSU for letting us do this. Um, We're really excited to be here.